0: You're listening to the Concession Stand Podcast on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. From movies and TV to consoles and video games. (laughs) Let your geek flag fly with your hosts, Nick Howell and Andy Nelson. Welcome back to The Concession Stand. This is episode number 44. I am your host, Nick Howell, and sitting across from me, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you, sir? I am great. As always, episode number 44. I'm going to just stick to the baseball
1: world. Plenty of good baseball players over history that wore number 44. I'm going to start with uh, Willie McCovey from the Giants. Mm -hmm. Can't not mention Mr. Reggie Jackson, Mr. October himself, also immortalized in such great movies as The Naked Gun and Basketball. Let's not forget that. but the the true number 44 in my opinion uh, and I will call him the true home run king I don't care about Barry Bonds or anybody else the true home run king Mr Henry Aaron Hank Aaron you sir deserve the stone cold salute I said give me a hell yeah <laughs> <sighs>
0: Well, what do we got going on this week, Andy? All right, so coming up this week, we're going to talk
1: about Game of Thrones. We only got three more episodes, or two more episodes, so three more times we're going to talk about it. We got life on the set, uh, talking about some reshoots, and unfortunately, we're going to talk a little bit about some uh, accidents that have happened recently, and we're going to go ahead and recap the summer movies, let you know what we saw and liked, and maybe let you know what you should be seeing and getting on your digital thing. But Mm -hmm. first, Nick, how was your week?
0: Uh, Well, the big news is uh, the Podcast Movement Expo is next week, and this is a big show... Every year last year, I believe it was in Chicago, so it's in Anaheim. It's in our backyard this year, and I can't not go to this, so I'm going to do my best to get down there. I'm hoping to see a lot of faces from all of the major vendors and the purveyors of all services all things podcasting. Uh, but at the same time, I'll, hopefully some of the listeners are there as well. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to meet just some of you guys. Um, I, Andy, I don't know if you're going to be able to come with me, but uh, I'm definitely going to try to try my best to be there for at least a day, if not a couple of days uh, next week. Following that, I've got to go to Vegas. Like I've got to turn and burn on Saturday. <coughs> oh no. Yeah. Boo hoo. Right. I've got to turn and burn on that next Saturday to go for a big tech trade show known as VM world. So I know we've got some of my old tech colleagues that listen to the show. Shout out to you guys. Uh, I will be at VM world from Saturday through probably Tuesday and maybe Wednesday, if there's some sweet vendor parties to go to on that Tuesday night, uh, I wanted to give a special shout out to the newest our newest pod brother Andy. We have yes. a new we have a new pod brother. His name's Jake Barton, and he hosts a fantastic history podcast called Historium. And he has now joined the Orbital Jigsaw Network. Yes. So welcome, Jake.
1: Okay. Welcome
0: aboard. So for all of you guys that love our show, if you happen to like history as much as you love geek pop culture stuff, uh, go over and check out Historium. It's fantastic little short-form 20-minute show. Uh, But this is just the first of many that are coming on board for the rest of the year. Andy, what about you? What's been going on?
1: Well, I talked about it last week. Um, I did get a chance to go see the Hans Zimmer live thing. Yeah, so big-time film composer uh, historically. He he doesn't get mentioned sometimes in the same breath as those John Williams and Danny Elfman types, but this guy has been a part of some of the major film scores over the years, um, and he's been in it, I think, some 30 years now. Um, So it's a little bit different than what you would think. You would think on these things it would just be Hans Zimmer conducting an orchestra, but Hans Zimmer doesn't really have an orchestra, right? It's more like guitars and percussion and and all kinds of different instruments necessarily that wouldn't make up a, a standard orchestra. So imagine like four steps on a stage, right? or risers right so the front row is like guitars and whatever the second row is like um, percussion instruments like a drum set and chimes and timpani and and deep toms and, and marimbas and xylophones right and then the next level is all of like the orchestra people but it's not a full orchestra it's like a string quartet a brass quartet and then the fourth and the highest riser is just a line of choir people you know because a lot of his stuff has
0: oh yeah. like uh, uh, uh the gregorian chant stuff, stuff yeah,
1: yeah so he played a lot of what what some would call his greatest hits so we heard stuff from pirates we heard heard stuff from um, True Romance, that Marimba thing. Uh, we heard uh, that awesome thing from Crimson Tide. Nice. Um, near the end, we got to hear stuff from uh, Interstellar and uh, Inception, but obviously the big takeaways for me were, were hearing uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Lion King, they even had the, ah, it's guy, Like, <laughs> the actual guy was there. Like, it was the real guy, guy? The real guy was there, and he did that whole thing, and the crowd went, you know, nuts. Of course. And then they did a medley where they did the Man of Steel theme followed up by the Wonder Woman. Yeah, and then, oh, it's so cool. And he, like, talked and did, you know like interacted with the crowd much more than like a typical conductor would do. And he didn't really conduct it. He was sitting down and playing the piano. He played the banjo when they did Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Uh, He played uh, a guitar and like he was rocking out like a rock star. It was amazing. It was like a really cool show. Um, It's in limited cities. Uh, I don't know how much left is left in the tour. I know he's been around the country. Check it out. If you get a chance, if you're a fan of movie music, please go check this out. It is definitely worth your time. And I have one more story along the lines of superheroes, right? So I went to this um, this wrestling event, this indie wrestling event with my daughter uh, up north of Malibu. So it's quite a drive from where we live. On our way back, we're driving down the PCH. The Pacific Ocean is on, is on the right, you know, beautiful, like, Sunday afternoon drive down the PCH. And I see this, like, Porsche thing. You know, Malibu. It's, like, super rich, right. and rich town, right? And I see this Porsche about to turn out. And the person looking out the window to see if he can make a turn, I'm like, that guy looks familiar. It's like this guy with, like, long black hair. And I'm like, No. And as I drive by, I turn to my daughter. I didn't really turn to her; she's in the back seat. I look in the rearview mirror. I go, "I think we just drove past Aquaman." She goes, "What?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, I think we did." And so I kind of slowed down and I stayed in the right lane. And he pulled out, and then he starts pulling up next to us. And I try to like, you know, like drive side by side with him. I said, uh, "Emily, look in the look in that car. Tell me if Aquaman's driving." Sure enough. Jason Momoa is driving like this Porsche thing, <laughs> and so I just stayed as as even as I could with him in my 2006 Honda Accord, and he's in some fast like Porsche thing. And yeah, we just we we probably drove side by side with him for about a mile, and there he is, freaking Aquaman. I was like thinking to myself, you could have just swam in the Pacific Ocean; it's right there, and you probably would have gotten to Santa Monica quicker. But you know, hey, yeah, where's your where's your pitchfork? <laughs> yeah. Or trident. But either way. Yeah, that was that was my week.
0: Uh Hans Zimmer and Aquaman. Well, speaking of Jason Momoa, we could draw a little corollary to a call drago oh, reference to lead us to our special oh, Game of Thrones. Fantastic segue. Well done. Uh look, last week we did a little bit of a more of a recap. This week there's more of a there are some big ticket items. It wasn't a very action heavy show, but there were some big time developments. That happened that we wanted to uh, to hit on in this one. Yeah. First and foremost, I wanted to take a moment and appreciate the uh, what we saw with Tyrion walking through the battlefield. So last week we saw him have to stand on the hill yep. and watch has his entire heritage, family, lineage, neighbors, you know, kids that he went to barbecues with, and, you know, all <laughs> that stuff, and watch them get barbecued. Exactly. And had to, <laughs> Great way to put it. Well, this episode opened up with him walking through the battlefield of their ashes and yeah. all of the carnage and chaos and stuff, and that was a really powerful moment. And they captured that so well. Um, and then that led up to that awesome sequence where uh, the Tarly uh,
1: father and son, uh, yes. where Daenerys comes down with the dragon. That awesome shot of her on the like in the mountain with the dragon, sort of like curling up behind her, and she basically says to Tarly and his other son, or not Samuel, but um, you know, hey, bend the knee, or you're going to get torched. Or and she says it that the, the, basically the remaining like um uh, Lannister army and all of them start to a couple of them kneel but they stand and then she gives them the choice and says like hey you know kneel or die and Tyrion's like no 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 show mercy you know be a good queen or whatever but she stood her ground and like there was a cool moment where you're kind of like you're siding with Daenerys cuz you're a fan of her but you're also siding with Tyrion cuz you know the mercy side of it cuz you're a fan of that character yeah. as well it's you you, you kind of see both sides, but you know at the end it's Game of Thrones. So you kind of want to see people get torched, right? I mean, so we. Well,
0: did. I love the way they delivered it as well. So it was a. Um, uh, she says, "I'm not going to behead anyone." Right. Yeah. Or Tyrion said, "You're not going to get very far as a as a ruler if you go around beheading people before yeah. you even get there." And he goes, "She says, i 'I'm not beheading anyone.'" And I had that kind of <gasps> <gasps> moment of just, <laughs> yeah, it like she's. Gonna, she, I thought she was going to feed him to the dragon. I thought I thought Dorgon was going to eat him. Nice. I didn't see the the torch thing coming. Speaking of dragons, we have to talk about the fact that Jon Snow is a Targaryen. Yes, he is. It's confirmed. Pretty much. Well, for the most part, indirectly. Yeah. Snow, he can pet dragons. Okay, he he can. He went up. There was a scene where he got to pet Dorgon, and it was. uh well, it
1: comes in like it flies and it just like lands next to him, right? And yeah. then and then like it it kind of curls up next to him, and he puts his hand out. He's of course immediately scared. He's never been that close to one, and it kind of like curls up to him like a cat, and he's like you know touching the side of its well, head. It was that cozy, but it's kind of like that. It was almost <laughs> like it was like a like it was it was like a cat purring. Puts you know, his head it, down, it kind of, of like. felt like that. You know, and and uh, Daenerys kind of had like uh, a, a nice little um, look for him at that mm-hmm. point. But uh, yeah, that, that's a huge thing. And then earlier in the episode, uh, we know maybe it was a little bit later. We we get the uh, Samwell's talking to Gilly, and Gilly's reading out of the book, and she has this like throwaway line just before he gets mad. You remember what that was?
0: I do. It was this. Uh, she read in the what was it? The Book of the High Septon Maynard, I believe, is what it is. Reading the annulment, uh, the the recording of the annulment of the marriage between Rhaegar Targaryen and Elia Martell. And this is uh, a big deal because, as we now know, Rhaegar and Leanne Stark yep. had a um, a tryst. little spin in the sheets, if you yeah, will. Fair enough. And, uh, and gave birth to John Stark, who Ned, we now know, adopted right. as his own to take home because he couldn't let Leanne have that kind of shame. So now we know that if we put all of this together, John Stark Targaryen, I, whatever he, Jon Snow, is the rightful heir to the throne, to the throne. But wait, we this is not the only character that we brought that we development that we had. We also got back Gendry. Yes, we did. Who we know who is the son of Robert Baratheon, correct? The rightful king before he was, you know, yeah, killed or whatever happened. So I think that's going to develop into something. So now do we have yet another chess piece vying for the Iron Throne? They send. They seem to make bastard friends yeah, right away. Uh, with yeah, each sure. other uh, due to their kind of similar upbringings. But with Gendry Baratheon back into the picture, John, I'll call him Targaryen, Daenerys Targaryen, and, and the Lannisters. It, it, this is continuing. We're supposed to be wrapping all this shit up. I guess You're not. we to continue to <laughs> yeah. introduce this We got two episodes to go. Let's go. Oh man, oh Game of Thrones. This is what you do. Hey, is Cersei being pregnant just to get to Jamie and get him to bend to her will? I, is that a real do th- you think she's really pregnant? I don't know. I I can't really tell, but like she's gone
1: off the rails at this point. Oh, yeah. She is absolutely full on like like Satan right now, <laughs> right? I mean, uh I I don't know. I I like you, it's like it's it's weird when you're like uh, somebody's like I'm pregnant and you're not excited like that's like a that's like something people normally get excited about and
0: you're like oh no he even did the the, the yeah. kind of tragic uh, yeah. uh, who, who's the father yeah you know, exactly gonna, is it mine yeah <laughs> <laughs> no yeah. it's the friggin it's the mountains the undead mountain. gross Ugh. Uh. oh last thing we want to talk about here is um how the how the episode wrapped up with Littlefinger kind of uh snaking Arya along and baiting her into. This kind of scenario where it's he he seems to be trying to drive a wedge between Arya and Sansa. Yeah, and the way that he did that was leading her to believe that he had a scroll, and it was I did some looking into this because they didn't show it in the episode. Yeah, it was the scroll that Sansa sent to I believe it was Rob mm-hmm. back in season three when season two maybe where she was still very much in love with Joffrey. Yep. And at the time, she was trying to say, no, don't fight the Lannisters. Come down to King's Landing and all this stuff.
1: So uh, reading that now, if Arya reads that, it makes it sound like she's she sides with the Lannisters and still like likes Cersei, which she sort right. of hinted at. So now they're going to drive this wedge, like you said, between the sisters. And then we
0: have sister fight. And then uh, I don't know. They're going to have pillow fights and it's going to be naughty. And, you know, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, let, let me say this. It, we are now. Two episodes away, three episodes away. By the time you guys hear this, that the, the we got sixth we have,
1: episode. Yeah, we have two left. We got this Sunday and the twenty oh, seventh, and God. that's it
0: for two, like a year and a half or we something. Have two more episodes left, and I'm going to tell you guys something. If they do not kind of wrap this up or close some of the stories up very neatly in the next couple of episodes, and leave us on a cliffhanger with somebody charging into some battle, I'm going to flip tables. I'm going to throw shit out the window. Because you, this is, we've got to start wrapping all these stories up. Oh, you dude. can't wait till you only have six episodes left to kind of think. Now they have said that they are going to do potentially. Two-hour feature-length episodes in the final season. That would be great. First of all, don't throw your table out your window. You're
1: going to lose your security deposit. That's kind <laughs> of important. Uh, yes, uh, but I feel like they're going to give us like the, uh, like I'm afraid that we're going to get this moment now that we've created this sort of like Suicide Squad, Dirty Dozen, whatever Avengers v- uh, Fellowship of the of the Snow People, whatever you want to call it. These people that are headed now to fight the White Walkers, which is a really cool group. Yes, you know you got uh, Jon Snow, you got Robert Baratheon, you got the Lord of Light dudes, you got Tormund, and it's going yeah, the t- Hound. Yeah, the Hound. It's a great group. right? Right? Yeah. It's, who wouldn't want to watch that? I, I have this strange feeling that we're going to lead all the way up to like the end of episode seven. You're going to see like the two sides were like Russian, which are like, Aah! and then Tosh! roll and credits. Then, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and then they're like, wait two and a half years or wait a year. Or, wait, who knows? But yeah, uh, Game of Thrones, two weeks left. And then we have to sit around and wait for Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah. And then we won't have, we'll have to come up with something else to talk about in this kind of opening segment here. But hey, that said, let's move on and talk about some quick hits. Well, we got a new Thor Ragnarok trailer today, and it's a special one. It's the international, I believe it's the Japanese trailer yeah, uh, that came out today. And I got to say, it, it, I thought the previous one looked amazing with oh the Zeppelin soundtrack. Oh, but man. But this one looks even more incredible than the one before. I, I got to say, I've, I was not high on this movie initially. What? Uh, well, I, the, I was not high on it because it takes it out of the sort of... Avengers—they're off doing some other shit outside of the world of the Avengers. Yeah, but, but it's
1: Hulk and Thor in the same movie. How can you not be high on I know, that? I know. All right, I know. I'll it's let you a, finish. It's, Go it's ahead.
0: Hulk, it's Hulk and Thor, and this trailer reveals that we get a lot of Doctor Strange coming into play. Maybe, or just a throwaway, but still, it, sure, maybe, maybe. Uh, but that said, after watching you know the trail, the previous trailer a few more times, and this now this international trailer, I am. 100% stoked for this film and Avengers four officially started production. So
1: I don't know what Avengers will be left after the infinity war, Wait, but we don't, we don't even have a reaction
0: from infinity war yet. How I know are they already doing Avengers four because they have a, it's all a part of the plan. Don't you see <laughs> They're like a dog chasing cars? Yeah. Wait, that's that's the wrong universe. Phil, it's superheroes. We're good. Well, Apple has officially come out and said that they have earmarked $1 billion <laughs> to establish itself as a buyer for premium entertainment. What
1: does that mean exactly?
0: Well, let's put this in perspective, okay? So this is in comparison to Amazon saying that they were planning to spend $4.5 billion in the next year for, for premium original content. It's like TV shows and movies, right? Yeah. Okay. Mainly the content of this show, I would assume. <laughs> Thanks, Apple. Yeah. Uh, HBO, conversely, has come out and said they're planning to spend $2 billion, uh-huh. right? And Netflix, the behemoth of them all, is planning to spend $7 billion. So Apple's little $1 billion is, yeah,
1: Doesn't sound like much, but when they get in this game, there's always a bigger plan there, right? Yep. So, well,
0: hey, going back to Marvel and the pro- those other kinds of properties we were talking about. And speaking of Netflix, uh, they are now kind of <laughs> scratching at the heels of Disney after their yeah. announcement last week to say, please, sir,
1: can we please keep our Marvel content?
0: <laughs> Apparently, they are in talks with Disney to work out some kind of pay model, some kind of distribution model, something where they can keep the Defenders lineup is, is essentially what I'm assuming they're talking about. It's,
1: it's, the, it's the Avengers stuff, like yeah. all the Marvel movies. And I think they want to throw Star Wars into that deal as well. Oh,
0: ah, okay. So. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that that's uh, – yeah, so that's a combination of things. I, I'm i more personally concerned – Star Wars will live on without Netflix, but I'm more concerned about having access to Daredevil and being able to binge through those at my convenience. That's going to stay on Netflix. Everything they've said is that's a Netflix property, so that's on Netflix. That'll never go away. Awesome, awesome, awesome. One of the co-founders of Netflix started up a new venture called MoviePass a year or two ago, if I remember right. Uh, apparently now they're getting some hot press because they're wanting to – Start this subscription model for $10 a month for movie theaters where it would allow you to go see as many movies as you want to in the movie theater uh, without having to kind of pay those crazy ticket prices. Now, living in Los Angeles and having to pay anywhere from 16 to upwards of $30 per film, I'm all over this.
1: Yeah, I think the movie pass thing might already exist like uh, I have a friend that has it but they're trying to make it like a like get more press of it and see if they can ex- uh, extend it to more uh theater chains. Yep. I think it's only for certain like I think everybody Pat has this thing. Um but it, it is a subscription version that or uh, uh service that that exists now. So this is a this is an interesting thing and it's kind of something we used to talk about as well. But we'll get into that a little bit more maybe
0: in the lobby tonight. Yep. Uh just a side note AMC is apparently really pissed off about this. AMC that, the movie theater the movie chain theater, not the network, yes. yeah. Val Kilmer has come out and said that basically Kurt Russell was the one that was almost solely responsible for seeing Tombstone come to fruition and be completed.
1: Right. So what happened was Kevin Jarre, who wrote the uh, film was also the director. He got fired after a month and then they bring in George P. Cosmatos, who uh, I think directed Cobra, another uh, action classic in my opinion. Yes. Um, but uh, It's uh, not
0: a very good film, but it's a no, cult classic no, but, for sure. But
1: still, uh, but you know, they were already sort of into the thing and, and I guess, Kurt Russell kind of took over and was like calling shots and like storyboarding and changing lines and he worked really closely with Val Kilmer. And of course, he's never taken credit for this, but Val Kilmer, being Val Kilmer, just came out and just told everybody basically Kurt Russell directed Tombstone and I'll say
0: good job, buddy, because it's one of my favorite western movies ever. Absolutely, and I think there's some characters in there, especially Val Kilmer's portrayal of Doc Holliday, might be right up there with Clint Eastwood is one of my all time favorite roles. Yeah, uh, for, as of a western character, so. It is definitely one of the most memorable. It's great to hear that people that were so passionate about movie making back then would do whatever it takes to see a project through. That's the kind of just invigoration and spirit that you don't hear too much about anymore. Say when. I'm your huckleberry. Yep. Hey, your buddy is doing something. Your buddy, that one guy, who is he's it? He's James Cameron for <laughs> the name. He's producing the new Terminator movie, which we've talked about, you know, at length on this show. But apparently, it is official with Arnold Schwarzenegger on board. They yes. are going to start production in March of next year, in two thousand eighteen. To be clear, he's not directing this though, but he's
1: producing it. But there's a big thing of why Schwarzenegger is in it, right? What is that?
0: They're exploring the idea of where the uh, exo or the outer skin came from, and how that what would best be suited for the the inner cybernetic kind of stuff that sure. would be going on My theory, personally, or what I guess what I'll say is what I would love to see in my own fantasy world is we've seen the rise of the machines in Terminator 3, but I would love to see more of a ground-up telling from the side of the machines how they went from just code in a computer to building factories and and manufacturing robots and doing the science they needed to put this kind of fake skin around it. So you really want to actually see the rise of the
1: machines, which we didn't see in Terminator 3. The other thing, like you said, that the thing that's most intriguing to me is like i want to know who the guy was that schwarzenegger played as a human like what mm. what who that was because they they obviously modeled that human after some human or the the t800 after a human so what did that human do why did he was he like a was he like a skynet guy and I, i'm going to make the the model after myself was he like some crazy i don't know was he like elon musk who knows but uh, i want to know what that why why the terminator has schwarzenegger's face
0: Well, the other AMC, not the theater, the cable channel, uh, is is steeped in controversy yet again because they're getting sued over royalties. Uh, having to do with The Walking Dead. Is it only Walking Dead, or is it I think it's, other it's The Walking
1: Dead. Frank Darabont, who was the original like producer-director yeah. of like the first season, was fired, and then they replaced him, and he said that he's been owed royalties for years. And I guess now a lot of the other producers have also come on board and said that, hey, you owe us money, too. So AMC is embroiled in some crazy lawsuit yet again, like you just said. Um, but that also uh, comes right off the heels of Robert Kirkman, the creator of Walking Dead, basically walking away from AMC and signing an exclusive deal with amazon to create new shows and and other properties for them that's a huge get for them yeah if he's exclusive to them that's huge i mean he's got other comic books like invincible and other other stuff that he has through his skybound entertainment uh, group and plenty of other ideas that could turn into amazing shows for them
0: well james gunn and the hoff are working on a knight rider boot you you guys might not know the name james gunn but he was the director of the guardians of the galaxy films yes Him and David Hasselhoff are trying to put this together and get it off the ground, but apparently they're you know, again, embroiled in some disputes over rights and, and those sorts of things. Anything else to know about this? Basically, James Gunn grew up a huge Knight Rider fan and when so and I.
1: remember like he Hoff is in Guardians too, so I guess when yeah. all that process was happening, they kinda got together and were like, you know what, we should like totally reboot Night yeah. Rider and forget about that thing they did in the two thousand, which was terrible. Um who knows what that could be? I don't know. Like we said, it's a whole rights thing, but imagine like a new Knight Rider show. Um, Hoff said something Didn't like- Didn't they hey, try that though? Yeah, in 2000, there was like that bad Knight Rider thing that we forget about, right? It was horrible. Anyways, um, it would be cool if they did something with, with the Hoff where, uh, no, the Hoff said something like, I, I, I wouldn't be a part of it. I wouldn't play Michael Knight. I wouldn't play an older Michael Knight, but I'd like to maybe play the Devin character, the older guy that's sort of like the Mr. Miyagi for the Michael Knight character,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So,
1: yeah. Something like that. So that would be kind of cool. I'm into that.
0: Well, hey, last week we talked about this new, uh, or the sequel, Batman vs. Two-Face. Um, apparently it's also going to include, once it comes to the theaters, it's also going to include a special exclusive Adam West tribute. Any uh, hints into what could be... You know, are we talking about like an extra 30 minutes of Uh, who knows? Who knows?
1: It's not coming to the theater, though. It's coming directly to DVD. It's another anime. It's the animated thing. Right. And Adam West voices Batman based in the 60s thing. So I guess with all of the D.C. archives, they're able to probably create something really cool, like maybe a 30 minute extra on that disc. That's all like a tribute to Adam West. And as a fan of him, uh, we're both really excited to see something like that.
0: So why wouldn't they put this one in the theaters when they did last
1: year? Uh, they didn't release the other one in the theaters. They did it for like a day or like a week. Oh, okay. Uh, That's like what it was. In, in like two weeks before the, the digital came out, I think, yeah. and then before the, the disc came out. And um, it was really cool to see that on a screen. I don't know. I remember
0: you took your daughter to see that, Correct. Right? Yeah. Correct.
1: Yeah. And we had a great time.
0: Well, let's talk about some Star Wars stuff. Uh, Ryan Johnson and Mark Hamill apparently don't want you to watch Last Jedi movie trailers. And I got to admit... I agree with them? Oh
1: man, how tough is that going to be to not watch that? <laughs> but when Mark Hamill says, hey man, don't watch it, well, you, you know, you don't want to see anything, they're all about like they want us to experience it for the first time in the theater at this point. And they don't want us to read spoilers and, and, and things that they've said, and they've all been very quiet about all of this. There is another trailer coming at any minute, right? It could come anytime. Um, but I, you know, we've been saying that, too, where we're like, oh, I'm going to go on radio silence for trailers because I don't want to know too much because trailers are giving away so much these days. I don't know. Do you want to make a verbal agreement right now uh, that we won't watch the last Jedi trailer if it comes out?
0: No. OK, I won't either. Because I'm going to watch it. Yeah, me, too. me too. Sorry, Mark Hamill. Sorry, Ryan Johnson. I'm going to watch it. You, you can't stop me. Love you mean it, but no. Yeah. Bad Fleck has now spoken out on being completely lucky for getting Joss Whedon to come over and redo Justice League after uh, Zack Snyder's tragedy last year. I'm trying not to read into that too much, but I am reading into that quite a bit and saying that maybe it was time for the dark, gloomy, Snyder, Sin City kind of stuff to stop when it comes to superhero films that are supposed to be uplifting. And I'm with with Ben on this one. I I think it's time. I think we saw a turn on that with Wonder Woman uh, with a cheery, kind of happy comedy sidekick sort of thing. And at the same time, I want to see Bruce Wayne joke around and be a a playboy.
1: Yeah, he said uh, in another interview this week that, uh, that Batman in this movie will be much more like the Justice League or Super Friends Batman. Like more like a team player than he was. So for
0: people that didn't watch the cartoons or read the comics, what does that mean? What Just does that more translate of like a to? positive?
1: Like okay, Robin, let's go. Like I don't think he'll be that, but he's not like he's not mad and brooding and mean all the time. He's <laughs> gonna
0: be doing animated voices, well, <laughs> yeah, that'd be fantastic. Well, he's speaking of Justice League being too dark. Uh, there were it's now coming out that there were not only little bit of reshoots, there are mass reshoots that have been needed. They are completely revamping the cyborg character. He's getting turned into a sort of comedy sidekick. Uh, and the whole thing is going to be a little bit lighter in tone.
1: I don't know if he's going to be like a comedy sidekick, like Tattoo from Fantasy Island or anything, but like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I, I, I think uh, Joe Morton, the character who, uh, who plays uh, Cyborg's dad, came out and said that in the reshoots they did stuff to make his his character a uh, lighter in tone, like you just said. I don't yeah. know if he's going to be like, hey guys, let's go do Cyborg
0: stuff. I'll well, be more like the Chris Pine, yeah. in Wonder Woman kind of thing,
1: yeah. And it's Joe Morton. He played Miles Dyson in Terminator Two, so when that guy talks, he knows what he's talking about, right?
0: Well, yeah, he's building machines, so. Yeah. He built Skynet, allegedly. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, man,
1: reshoots have been like kind of a big deal lately. We've heard a lot about the Justice League. We've heard about uh, some other stuff. We should probably go talk about this stuff in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby
0: to get ourselves a treat. So, Andy, there's been a lot of, I don't know if I want to say controversy, but just news and media about the, the concept of reshoots lately surrounding some of our you know, favorite projects or things that we're most looking forward to. Um, is this is this really a bad thing? Uh, in in the sense of taking the extra time and making sure it's right, does this have unintended consequences? Well, uh, l- let me clarify. So there's there's a difference between reshoots, like we're t-
1: what we're talking about is what they're doing with Justice League, what they did with Rogue One, yeah. and pickups. So every movie that goes and shoots all these major movies, they they usually have to bring people back for for pickups, maybe a shot here or there, or put them in front of something to get. Oh, we need an angle of that person doing that. It's a it's a pickup shot or two. Most movies have that, right? Yeah. But a full on, like you know, spend a couple of weeks to do reshoots for a movie usually means that there's trouble with it, and we got that in Rogue One. That was the first one that we heard about, and and we can say what what happened there. That was the the whole ending was redone. I mean, we saw uh, all these shots in the trailer of like the stormtroopers in the in the water, like knee deep in the water with like the palm trees and desert, or or the like the all that stuff in the background. None of that stuff was in the movie right yeah all those things that look so cool in the trailer and like uh, uh uh and like the the entire Darth Vader scene was never in the movie that they originally right. shot and then they added that and so in my opinion the reshoots for that were a good thing um we would never would have gotten that amazing Darth Vader thing if, if we had not had reshoots on a movie like that but we're looking at reshoots for for Justice League and we can't really compare it because we don't know what it was or or whatever it it's going to be but we're we're having to deal now with weeks of reshoots on this to potentially change the ending like we talked about yeah. to make characters lighter and Josh Whedon's involved so originally it was oh he's just going to continue Zack Snyder's vision but that
0: doesn't seem to be the case but from a planning perspective from i'm I'm interested in your perspective here and I think the listeners would be as well for, as, from a directorial kind of standpoint that that you do here in, in LA what is that What does that mean for getting the crew back together, getting everything back together, getting the cast back together, making sure everything's consistent? How do you how do you go away for six months and then come back and do things and make sure they look the same? Well, the biggest thing you got to deal with, of course, is getting all the people back, right? Yeah.
1: And, uh, the actors first and foremost. Like we're dealing with the Henry Cavill mustache thing; he's in shooting Mr. Impossible Six, but they need him to come back and do some sort of Superman things in Justice League, right? That's the first thing. So then, do you need to get back the DP? Obviously, you need the director. Like most of these people have already moved on to their next project. Right. So you're dealing with with conflicting schedules here. That's that's the big thing, I think. And then what about the the sort of um, press thing that you're talking about this social media thing like it immediately creates, in my opinion, a bit of a bad buzz or yeah. maybe a good buzz. It's like, oh, well, they're making it better, so it's going to be good. Where everybody was worried about Justice League.
0: We were. Sure. We saw that first trailer and we almost had heart attacks. Yeah,
1: but I mean, maybe now we should be more excited about it. And you wonder if they're coming off of the success of Wonder Woman and it's sort of lighter tone and it's huge box office take if they want to kind of continue that success. And maybe what they already had in Justice League wasn't quite up to those you know standards per se.
0: And, and now we're going to get to do that. So. Well, you mentioned this was going to run them about $25 million. Yeah,
1: that's not a drop in the bucket. No.
0: I mean, this is this is not... I wouldn't classify that anywhere near pickups, but it's a matter of, you know, you're going back and completely changing how the story is going to be told, how the movie is going to end. All of this stuff comes into play here. Are we in a world where reshoots are just being used as a sort of crutch, like to get to get the production off the ground, go shoot most of what you need? for your for your main footage and then deal with the rest when you get around to it? I mean, I don't I don't know. I I, I feel like yeah,
1: it could be used as a crutch now, but it's a very expensive crutch. Yeah. I think I think a lot of movies don't have that sort of gravitas if you want to call it behind it like justice league you got to get right you know but maybe you don't need to do you know a week's worth of reshoots on something else or two weeks worth of reshoots on something else you just make make it work with with the footage you have and you just kind of go with that but for properties as big as star wars and as big as justice league you know that's something you got to think about like or maybe they do them on bond movies I don't know but th- th- now we're starting to hear about it because of social media because so, of
0: the access that that we kind of have right exactly
1: but you know then you wonder like I don't understand how you know, you have a script, you have storyboards, you have all of this planned out. Nothing gets nothing even happens on a set until somebody else agrees on it, you know, and says, go make that. And then you, you finish it and you send everybody home like, thanks. And you have your rapid principal photography and it goes to post and then you find out you don't have it. I mean, is that the director's fault? Is that is that uh, the producer's fault? Whose fault is it that suddenly we need to change everything once they see what they've got?
0: Oh, I think you, you clocked onto something a few minutes ago where you said they want to make it lighter in tone after the success of Wonder Woman. So if, if we go back and we look at BVS, for example. Um, It was. It's a matter of that was a very dark film. It was a very kind of moody, uh, angst-filled kind Mm -hmm. of film. Everybody was after each other. Sure. Um, The only thing that was, you know, of any kind of light was uh, was Jesse Eisenberg doing his horrible impersonation of Lex Luthor. Horrible. Uh, I'm not even going to call that a role. (laughs) Uh, Just you know, I, I can't even compare him to Gene Hackman and even Kevin Spacey in the 2006 Superman Returns. But that said. Uh, I can definitely see a point where they would not want to carry forward that tone from BVS into Justice League especially with
1: like you said like like with the success of Wonder Woman they got they got uh completely like killed for the way suicide squad ended up uh the other thing that, that we've got that's uh, it's it's a fine line here because you've got ultimate editions as well like so for instance in the Batman v Superman ultimate edition there were a couple of scenes in my opinion that were shot that weren't reshoots that they added in the ultimate edition i was like oh they should have had that in the movie you know so there's different it was already
0: three hours long. i know but there's <laughs>
1: different sides of this where it's like you you've got like how much of it is the studio saying it needs to be this way and how much of it is the director's vision and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where yeah. you know there is no more like director vision anymore the studios and the money people are like it has to be this way and we have a formula and i mean that's that's could be what this is is all based on so I, I don't know. Um, well,
0: a good example of what you just talked about was the Han Solo movie, where the you know the studio basically intervened, right. with what the director's vision was was doing, and said, "Nope, we don't want you to do it that way. You're going to do it our way." And they were like, "Yeah, no, sorry." And, and we don't know if there have been reshoots of scenes that already existed, which there could be for all we know. But but but, 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 but
1: again, that was a change made mid-production. Yeah. Um, when they realized what was happening so you know had they not and they had gone the whole way through it who knows if they would have been like you know what we need to change this this and this and this and we didn't get that with with lord and miller so we're going to bring in ron howard after the fact i mean it could have been reshoots but instead they caught it in the middle
0: of it how much of this do you think is access to what they have now with josh whedon being on board so he was on board i think writing some stuff he was going to do a batgirl movie Okay, so they had him sort of in the back pocket, like so he was
1: a DC employee, sort of. I'm sure he was working on a script already, and so he's under contract with them. So it's an easy sort of transition, and it's like, hey, do you want to make a movie with a bunch of superheroes in it? Uh, Who should we get? Oh, we already got Josh Whedon. Let's go ahead and get that guy. You know, not like he he's already had success with the Avengers. So,
0: but is this a blessing in disguise for the studio in a sense to come in and say, oh look, we've got Josh Whedon now. He knows exactly how to do this. Do we take advantage of him being on board to maybe change more than we initially planned for with the reshoots? It certainly
1: sounds like that's what's happening. I mean, when when it first started, it was it was a sort of passing of the torch when unfortunately Zack Snyder had this horrible tragedy in his yeah. family and Joss Whedon steps in to sort of finish it and do the reshoots and it was spun to us in the media that he's going to um, honor... Zack Snyder's vision, and it's going to be exactly the same as it was. But we're hearing otherwise from Affleck. We're hearing otherwise from Miles Dyson. (laughs) We're hearing, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I I don't know. We can only hope as fans that that we get the Justice League movie that we want and that it it continues their their success coming out of Wonder Woman.
0: If there's, you know, short of Kevin Smith, if there's anybody that I trust to really deliver a vision of a comic book epic, uh, yeah, Josh, uh, Josh Wheaton's going to be that guy for me for sure. Well, hey, another thing that's been in the news a lot lately is around things like what we'll call set safety. Yeah. And we've heard recently of I would say as recent as the last three to five years. We've heard more and more about some of these accidents um, and, you know, unfortunately lead to some untimely deaths uh, on set on and off set. But to do with production of, of some of these bigger films why does it seem like this is happening or are we just hearing about it more frequently? I I,
1: I don't think that it, uh, I think whenever it it happens, you're going to hear about it. I think we're, unfortunately we've, we've had a couple of of deaths on set. We had a a stunt woman die on Deadpool two. um, And we had a stunt man die on walking dead. I think last month, Uh, Tom Cruise broke his leg on filming mission impossible. Uh, His ankle to be clear ankle. Sure. But uh, there's no death involved in that either way. Uh, these are accidents that should always be taken seriously. Um, do I wonder why that is happening. Um, I, I will tell you, as a person who is a first assistant director, um, uh, I am solely responsible for the safety of the entire cast and crew on a set of a film or wow. a television show. that's a weight. It is, in addition to all the other things I have to do. But um, we take that uh, very seriously, and especially um, you know, we have to take safety training classes as a part of the Director's Guild. We have to learn about... All uh, facets of safety and and we won't do a shot or uh, approve a shot or, or any sort of sequence that is not had all sort of safety and risk management and all of those things uh, taken into account. And the amount of lengths that we go to make sure that things are safe. Um, uh, is is beyond what you would imagine in just any other regular workplace.
0: Well, what would the, how would this compare to some corporate office environment or a construction site or something like that? When you put it in perspective, what's it like on a movie set? I don't want to point any fingers,
1: and I don't want to um belittle the fact that that there are two performers that that lost their lives on the sets of making a a um a film or television project. Um, That is a absolutely horrible thing. That is like your worst nightmare, not just as a first assistant director that's responsible for safety, but for anybody on a set, yeah. if that is to happen, that is the worst thing to have happen. Crews are, are are a big family, and just because it's a stunt person, it's you know what I mean. It's like everybody's a part of it, yeah. And it, and it and it's and it's it's a horrible thing. I I personally have not experienced a death on set. I've had big accidents happen, but we had plans in place should an accident happen to to make these things happen. As far as uh, the difference between a set and a and a in a regular office uh, space like a construction site. So for instance, unfortunately, the gentleman lost his life from falling from a thirty foot uh, thing on Walking Dead and missed a crash pad and landed on his head and lost his life. That's a Hor- spongy thing that yes, he lands horrible, on, right? a horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible thing. And and I would hate to be there and 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 see that happen, or you don't wish that on anybody, Uh, the person who lost his life or anybody involved in it, of course, right? In construction sites, there are people up in the air all the time with harnesses and all that sort of stuff. We have the same sort Window of- Window par- washers. Sure, kind of we stuff, have the yeah. same sort of parameters. The difference is, in in our line of work, we have an onset paramedic at all times. Um, Should something happen, we we have an emergency plan in action. So- we go to great lengths to make sure that things are safe and everything's done by the book. All of the OSHA standards for, for the United States apply on a film set. If you go up on uh, uh, a thing above four feet, there has to be a railing so you can't fall off. You have to wear safety harnesses to operate certain large pieces of equipment. Everything, you know, uh, anytime there's a firearm on set, there's a there's a specific person that is required to be there that it says, okay, this gun is good. It is loaded with a blank. This is safe. We can go ahead and fire. And, and you know, you don't do anything without... There's a checks and balances system. Are we ready? Are you ready? Is this safe? Are we good? And go, shoot it, cut. That's how it goes. And that, and mm. and you will, and you will take as long as you need to take to make sure that it's safe. But yes, you don't have an onset paramedic at your job site. You don't have um, an ambulance, maybe waiting just in case something was to happen, which they do in this world. It's just you, will, you keep them there in the hopes that it doesn't happen, you know. But it, sometimes it does. And I can, I, I don't know what happened on these sets, but I know that there was certainly no negligence involved like the, the Sarah Jones incident that happened yeah. in Georgia, horrible incident that happened in Georgia, which I'm sure everybody has heard about uh, this, a couple of years referring back
0: to the uh, Greg Ullman project, Correct, um, where the train, where Rider. The train
1: hit uh, one of the uh, camera assistants and injured yeah. a bunch of people. And it's horrible, horrible story. And you, uh, you wouldn't again, wish that on anybody. There has been talk of, of maybe the the rush to get things done in a timely manner to meet things, but i I don't know anybody um, that that does what I do that would ever sacrifice safety uh, for to get a shot or to make a day or anything like that. You just don't do it and and I've had situations myself that weren't uh, that life threatening for stunts or things that we were doing where I've had to stop and tell the director, the producers we can't do that we're not going to do that and if we do do that, I will walk off set and I have walked off a set before. Um, and, and then that sort of wakes people up and then you, you just go and you, you do it properly. So we are hearing about this in the media. Do I think that states, uh, do I think that sets are now more unsafe than they were because we've had a couple of strings of accidents over the last couple of, uh, weeks and months? Uh, I don't think so. I think this is just a, a just an anomaly. I, I think unfortunately accidents happen and, um, it's horrible to hear that these things did happen, but, um, I, I, Continue to think that that sets are as safe as they have ever been.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of this has to do with access and the rise of you know these uh, celebrities are no longer just seen on the news anymore. All of them have an Instagram and Facebook and Twitters, and they're constantly sharing stuff. Because it's awesome because we as fans love to see that kind of interaction and sneak peeks and, you know, teases and any kinds of thus. Here's a picture of, you know, you know, Henry Cavill wearing the old Superman costume. I almost lost my mind when that went up. Yeah. But there's this, it's a weird new era. So I think that as tragic as, as the events have been, those kinds of accidents probably have always been there to a certain extent we just haven't had the level of access that we've had or the media hasn't had the level of access that they currently have today, sure.
1: And and unfortunately, when there's a loss of life, there's going to be a report, and there's going sure. to be an investigation from OSHA and from insurance claims and all of that. And that's a part of it. But if you take away anything from this little conversation we've had about this, I will tell you, and I will side with my, my my directors guild brothers that I don't even know on those movies, but I will tell you that there was probably no negligence involved. We will not hear anything about that. My heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to the families that lost uh, uh, pe- members of their family in these accidents. But I will tell you that. That that is not whatever the media says about like oh they did this and they shouldn't have done that. That's probably not true. Right. Sets are safer than they have ever been.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is mostly a media representation of you know what what happens versus what they think happens versus what actually happens.
1: Yeah. It's we don't typically talk about these sort of um, uh, melancholy subjects on this show, but I wanted to at least bring it to attention because it's something that's happening that people might wonder something about. If I've given you any sort of insight about how that works rate if you have questions for me if you're wondering about safety stuff you can reach out to me on twitter and i'll be happy to help you but let's uh switch gears a little bit yeah let's go back to happy place yeah let's go to happy place Place. most of the time
0: back in march we did an episode where we were previewing the upcoming year of films and one of the takeaways that i had from that episode was holy cow there's going to be a big huge blockbuster tentpole movie every single weekend Starting with Logan and John Wick 2, and that we were off to the races every single weekend. We've had that. So last week, we talked about the decline in the summer box office, namely speaking about May, June, July. And what we wanted to do was kind of go back and maybe do a little recap and and look at the movies that came in May, June, July and give our impressions of the ones that we've seen, the ones that we didn't see and why, and how they might have done well or maybe reasons why they floundered. All right, so we're going to go through these kind of quick. It's not quite a lightning round, but I'm going to go through these really quick.
1: May fifth, uh, you and I both went to the Chinese Theater and we saw Guardians of the Galaxy two.
0: We both liked it. We yes. both loved
1: it. Said it was a movie that you needed to see. Uh, and I watched theater. it two
0: more times since it came out on digital recently, and it's it's fantastic.
1: I wasn't as happy with it as I was with the first one, but Agreed. it's definitely worth a watch. If you love the characters in the first one, you're not going to be disappointed in the second one. May twelfth.
0: King Arthur, didn't see it. Did you see Thought it? It, um, it, and it felt very much like a Guy Ritchie movie, and it, without going into a full in-depth review, it's hard to just say how freaking bad it really was. Okay. Uh, that said, I found myself in the weird position where I couldn't turn away, because I do love the style that uh, Guy Ritchie brings to the table with his work. So I was very conflicted with that film. I'm not the biggest Charlie... Charlie Hunnam fan. He's kind of boring, but it, yeah. All right, May nineteenth, Alien Covenant. I did see that. Uh, I think I've been very clear about how I feel about that one as a as an aliens fanboy of the biggest sorts. Uh, it was absolute garbage. I'll argue that with anybody uh, to this day. And at the end of it, what it really comes down to is that you are spoiling the what made. The mystique and all of that other stuff about the first two films, fantastic.
1: Now, I was in Europe when a lot of these came out, so I haven't caught up, but I caught up with the stuff that came out in June. All right, May 26th,
0: we got Baywatch and Pirates of the Caribbean. Didn't see either one of them.
1: And I didn't either, and I probably won't unless they're on digital and I Uh, see them for free.
0: You know what? I'm looking forward to seeing Javier Bardem uh, playing uh, the the villainous kind of role in in Pirates, but that was one where I'm not going to go to the theater to see it, sorry. And Baywatch... (laughs) No, sorry, Rock.
1: Baywatch just hit digital this week. Um, I, I'll rent it when it's available for rent on iTunes. Yep. Um, then we got Wonder Woman June second,
0: and you saw that, right? Of course I did, and I saw that, and we saw that, and we had a huge episode, and we talked about it. And you guys know how I feel about Gal Gadot. Uh, you know how I feel about the I don't even the guy that played Ares and what a horrible shit villain he was. Uh, look, I, I I have my own thoughts about Wonder Woman. I'm anxious to see where it goes. Uh, but what about you, Andy? On
1: the flip side, I absolutely loved it. I thought they finally made a Wonder Woman movie, and they made it very well. I actually love Gal as Wonder Woman. Um, it's all about girl power. It had a lighter tone for a DC movie for the first time. Uh, I wasn't thrilled with the way that it all ended with a big CG battle, but I liked uh, I liked the movie as a whole, and I think uh, it's, it's, a, a, it's a great role model movie for little girls, which I have two of them, so I'm going to give that a double thumbs up. The mummy June 9th.
0: This was one where I was very conflicted as well, because I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan. I'm very excited. As you guys have heard about the on the past shows about this, uh, dark universe that universal is starting back up. I love the universal movie monsters. Uh, it didn't do very well for various reasons. Um, yeah, I have not seen it yet to be clear but this was one where I was not going to go see it in the theater I was waiting for it to come to digital so hopefully in the next few weeks it does get here and I'll get to see it and give you a real opinion
1: I'm on the same side I was excited about the uh, the universe it got such horrible reviews and I was shocked by that because Tom Cruise typically doesn't make a bad movie right um, part of me would just wants to see it just so I can see what it was and if it sets up any sort of things for this um, uh, universal monster universe that may or may not continue based on the success of this movie I'm all about it now we move on to cars 3 June 16th I didn't see it and I have two kids. Uh, my girls haven't Fail. seen it. My brother uh, took his little boy, who is a huge Cars fan. They really liked it, but they said, of course, it didn't need to be made. Um, it's it's another Cars movie. I yep. really didn't think Cars 2 was that good, but the Cars ride at Disneyland is still one of the best rides in the world.
0: Let's be clear. Disney pulled the uh, slot machine handle and just waited <laughs> for all the quarters to start spitting out because it did. It probably still made a truckload of money.
1: Yep, And it will continue to do so. Yes. Just like the movie that came out the week after, June 21st, was Transformers The Last night
0: another one that uh, i am just tired of after after the first two transformers movies i was done with it dark of the moon was abysmal and i just you know i'll see it i will watch it when it comes out on digital but i wasn't going to go pay 30 dollars to see that
1: uh i didn't see it either Uh, i want to see it eventually Uh, i should have seen it in a theater because of big explosions but i really don't care um i liked the first two transformers movies i like I'll put them on, but I, I don't need to rush out to see that. Um, But if you're a Transformers fan, I'm sure it was great. Uh, June thirtieth. Now we're at Despicable Me three. I saw that because I have children. Uh, It was another Despicable Me movie, and the minions were funny. Trey Parker playing the bad guy. I can't help but like that because it's yeah. Trey Parker, and I'm such a huge South Park fan. Um, It continues in the Despicable Me universe. It it is a Despicable Me movie. It doesn't blow out, you know. It doesn't blow away anything. It's 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 fine.
0: Well, I thought the Minions movie was one of the surprise hits of what was it last year when yeah. they did that? The movie. St- uh, Minions standalone movie, so I was very surprised, pleasantly surprised by how funny that Minions movie was. Uh, I'm anxious to see this once it comes to digital. Again, uh, one that I'm not going to go out and drop 20 to 30 bucks to see in the theater. Um,
1: Spider-Man Homecoming was the July 4th movie. I know you haven't seen it. You should. Uh, I'm going to put it as my number two movie of the summer. I had a great time with it. It totally fits in the Marvel Universe. Tom Holland is fantastic. I can't wait to see it again. Michael Keaton was great as the villain. He, I, I wasn't sure about him at the beginning. Uh, this is a true superhero movie. The fact that they were able to get Tony Stark in it and Robert Downey Jr.'s in it makes it that much better. Uh, They got a Spider-Man movie right. It's better than all the other Spider-Man movies that have have been made.
0: Uh, This was one that snuck by me, honestly. This is one that I fully intended to go see in super-duper IMAX, whatever, uh, here in L.A. And it just, you know, time got away from me. Things got busy with the network. And it's once you get a couple weeks removed... It just it starts to disappear from the theaters, and I'm like, ah, I'll just wait for the digital then, because yeah. they come out within two to three months now.
1: Exactly, uh, July 14th, War of the Planet of the Apes. I saw this one, uh, really enjoyed it. It wasn't the action packed apes movie that they sold us in the trailer, but it was a very good character study of the Caesar character. It absolutely wrapped up the trilogy and sets up a potential future. The CG will absolutely blow you away. Yeah. Um, I recommend it uh, wholeheartedly to to see. I hope you get a chance to see it.
0: Yeah, I love these movies. I have not gotten a chance to see this one. I'm again looking forward to seeing this one on digital, but it wasn't one that I was really that bothered about seeing in the theater, if I'm being honest.
1: Uh, Then July 21st, we've got two movies uh, on opposite ends of the scale. First, we have the horrible train wreck that was Valerian. I don't recommend that to anybody unless you like (laughs) colorful pictures with stuff with bad actors
0: in it. So, So drop some LSD before you put that movie on which I wouldn't do, but right. if, you, if,
1: you, if that's something and I don't and I don't condone that, but if, if the concession you concession stand does not do, no, condone the use of not drugs. at all, but uh, if it might make the movie better, even yeah. seeing that movie in 3d and D box didn't do it for me. Wow. So, but the other big one that came out that was my favorite movie of the summer. And it certainly is probably yours. Dunkirk is a cinematic masterpiece. It is. Um, and if you, if it's still in 70 millimeter and you have a chance to go see it, please do yourself a favor and go do it right now.
0: Well, we can't stop there. We have to talk about Atomic Blonde, oh, right? Yeah. That's the last one, and 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 we shared our our thoughts on that one uh, last uh, two episodes ago, I believe. Huh? So go back and hit up uh, what, what would that be? Episode forty two, yeah, Atomic Blonde, uh, Ambition. We we really did a full breakdown on that one. Look, I really enjoyed this film, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it again and a third time, just to really break down some of the. Uh, stylization work and and other stunts and things that went on. There were a lot of like trick one shot takes in that film. Uh huh. I'm that's one that is really top of my list to go back and watch again, if not two or three times.
1: I'm right there with you. It was it was Jane Wick, just as, just what we expected. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it's it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had some trouble with it in the middle. It kind of slowed down a little bit. I thought they tried to get too much into the international intrigue stuff. Um. James McAvoy steals it. Uh, Charlize Theron is fantastic in it. Just like you said, it is worth seeing just for the one-shot fight or, you know, how they put that together. The one-shot fight in the car sequence that is over that or after that, uh, at the end of that movie, it is something you will never see anything like it. One other movie came out that day, Baby Driver, the Edgar Wright movie.
0: I heard it was really, really good it and I haven't re- seen it.
1: It is really, really good. It's it's a really cool um things set to it's another one of those set to song kind of things and it's got a an all-star cast of Kevin Spacey and John Hamm and Jamie Foxx and it's just a really cool action movie. Edgar Wright does really cool things with editing and music in it. Um I, I saw it once. I don't know if I need to see it again. I, I would watch it again. Yeah. But I wouldn't rush out to see it again before some of those ones that I hadn't seen. But it's worth your time. Uh mm-hmm. and then the last one we have we didn't see yet it was uh Dark Tower. Which came out August fourth and Wind River, uh, we're going to hopefully get to those next week. But those are basically the end of the of the summer. Dark Tower didn't do very well box office wise. I didn't
0: expect it to, to be honest. Just
1: kind of got mediocre reviews. Uh, I want to see it. The trailer uh, wowed me. I loved the trailer and I like the the good versus evil stuff. I'm curious to see McConaughey play the devil. You have I to really-
0: factor in a little bit of snobbery uh, from the the book loyalists. You know the uh, the way that this is set up. I was wrong when I first kind of. Um, we talked about this initially. Uh, it's not a true telling of what went on in the books. From what I understand, it's a, a kind of virtual sequel uh, of, of the, the events that unfolded in the books or in the short stories, whatever you want to call them. And at the same time, I, I'm okay. I want to see McConaughey playing the man in black. I want to see Idris Elba playing the gunslinger. It looks the part. What we can't really tell from the trailer is what the story's really about.
1: And that's basically the summer movie recap. But the thing that I will take out of this is is I actually enjoyed the movies pre-summer more than I did the actual summer movies yeah. as a whole. So when you think about back in March, you got Logan, you got John Wick 2, you got uh, – I loved Lego Batman. Yeah. I mean, all of those – movies, and even the Beauty and the Beast movie was really, really yeah, good. And all that stuff happened, and then it was a lull, and then we got the big summer push, you know. Um, we, we talked about how the summer movie season might be beginning earlier in the year now. And I think the better movies came out pre-summer season. And then there was a bit of a lull Spider-Man hit and, uh, Dunkirk hit in July. But, uh, June was, was pretty lackluster for me. I mean, I didn't see anything in June except Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, well, alien and pirates, right? Alien was May and pirates was May as well. Oh, okay. Yes. What was in June? Recap June, me June was,
1: June was Wonder Woman, uh, mummy cars, three and transformers. Yeah, so June was... I saw Wonder Woman. That was it. Yeah, so June was a little healthy for us. So there's your summer movie recap from the concession stand.
0: Well, let's talk about some fun stuff real quick. We are going to have, for the first time in a better part of 100 years, we are going to have the first total solar eclipse.
1: Total eclipse of the heart or sun.
0: That will travel across (laughs) the U.S. completely from coast to coast. That's the key here. We've had plenty of total. We've had plenty of solar eclipses of varying uh, degrees, but this is the first total solar eclipse that will traverse coast to coast in a hundred years. June of nineteen eighteen wow. was the last time that this happened. So, if you jump online, look at the path of the solar eclipse, you'll see where the line of totality is. That sounds super official. Yes, the it does. line of totality sounds like a Game of Thrones thing, right? Uh, it goes from, I believe, Oregon all the way to South Car- coastal South Carolina all the way across the United States. Um, the cool thing about this that I took away was if you had a bird's eye view from space yeah. uh, of, of the United States while this was going on, what you would see is a round shadow of the moon moving across the United States. From at about a hundred thousand miles an hour. That's
1: amazing. And I'm about sure
0: I said a hundred thousand about a thousand miles per hour, really. <laughs> a little bit different. Give her give her. Uh, one million miles <laughs> yeah. per hour.
1: I'm sure Elon Musk will be up in a rocket watching. Right, of
0: course. But hey, one note. PSA. Don't look at the eclipse, kids. I know how intriguing it'll be, but you will literally fry your retinas. I'm not kidding. It will burn the image, the ring of the sun, into your retinas. This is a long time known thing. We haven't had one of these in a long time. So be aware. That's why Amazon is selling all these cheap glasses yep. and cardboard cutouts and all that stuff. It's a real thing. Do so, not look at the eclipse. Yeah, like look it up. If you live in
1: one of these states, I think it's like Oregon, Nevada. Like it, it goes through like the the center of the of the country, like all the way through uh, like Kentucky and North Carolina, South Carolina. If you live in one of these states, look it up and you could see this thing. I envy you because I wish I could. Me too. And I just don't really feel like driving to Oregon on Sunday.
0: No, um, no.
1: All right, so all right. that will lead us to our lightning round.
0: All right, Andy, I want to do a duo this week. Okay, for The duo. last couple of weeks duo we've been around. ping-ponging yeah, back and forth. It's a but lot, more, it's we're a lot gonna, more fun. We're going to do one together this week. In the spirit of the solar total solar eclipse that's going to be happening on August 21st, I believe, I is the eclipse date. of the sun. I would like for us to name as many pop culture references. That can be movies, films, okay. games, music, anything. As many pop culture references with the word sun. And or moon in the title. Okay, go. Uh, Empire of the Sun, the Spielberg movie. I want to say Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, by Pete okay, Floyd. okay. Uh,
1: uh, Hero, uh, uh, what's the Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, cannot forget Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon. Yes, all the geek friends would yes. uh, Keith Moon, the the Rolling Stones. Oh, from drummer? the Who? Yeah, uh, is it the, was it the Who? Or oh, he's the, the, Who. the Who. He's the Who drummer. He's the Who drummer. He's the Who drummer he's uh, Bruce Willis movie, Tears of the Sun. Yes, yes. Remember that uh, one? Uh, uh, man on the Moon. The, the, was
0: there the. Oh, that's an interesting double whammy. It. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh, because of the oh because of the REM song and, yes. and the uh, the Andy Kaufman movie. Jim Carrey, Andy all right, Kaufman. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, wow. That's uh, bonus points uh, for that one. Uh, what else? Uh, Sunshine. Sun- oh yeah. 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 We thought of it at the same time. <laughs> yeah.
0: The Danny Boyle movie. I
1: yes. love that movie. That's a, that is a sci-fi movie that people don't really know about.
0: Oh, you need to go see that if you have not seen that film.
1: Uh, 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 um, uh, Transformers: uh, Dark of the Moon. Good one. Okay. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, Eternal Sunshine. One of my of the all-time favorite mind.
0: movies is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I, I love didn't know that film. Yes. Fair enough. Fair Definitely enough. in my top That's ten for sure. Jim Carrey twice making it into the moon references. Boom! Moon! Yeah. Oh, right. really then. good movies. Uh, the, the, uh, oh, there's yeah. There's a
1: film called Moon. Oh, the one with, uh, with uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 what
1: about, uh, oh, Punky Brewster's uh, Sule Moon Fry? Uh,
0: wow. Wow. <laughs> Wow, you went back deep From the for vault. that one. From oh, the God. vault. Hey, how about Game of Thrones? I'm going to throw a curveball at you. For the Game of Thrones fans out there, you'll remember that uh, a lot of call Drago, and Khaleesi back and forth was that blood of my moon and moon of my moon and all that kind of crap. There you go. Moon River. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about Sunset Boulevard? Yep, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, I think one of the best musicals out there. And uh, I want to close this out. Oh, no, no,
1: no, no. Tequila Sunrise. Oh, Mel Gibson, very Carousel, nice Carousel. very nice. Uh
0: there's got to be something else. Uh, uh, there right, is and what, I'm going to close it out with Okay. Moons Over My Hammy <laughs> from Denny's. The, <laughs> the delectable dish from Denny's that, that has satiated many drunken nights that in, in my as life. Pop
1: culture. Does it? it? Yeah? yeah. More than Of course it does. Oh, Cuz yeah. more than likely you went there after seeing a late night movie and yeah. had a Moons Over My Hammy. Right. Sure. Maybe you saw it, and maybe you saw it after you saw
0: Moonstruck. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends never well hey guys that's our show this week we really hope you enjoyed that keep sending us the feedback we hope you're enjoying this kind of new format we're doing where we're focusing more on our commentary and less of just reg- regurgitating the news to you because that's what we're really trying to do here and keep in the spirit of the show that we've we've developed over the last year speaking of which over the last we're coming up on our one year anniversary yes Andy. we are yes we are uh, i believe it's september 8th is is our 1 year anniversary of our very first episode. Oh. Um one more thing I need to throw out there is that there is a potential that I might be have to go to two trade shows as I mentioned at the opening of the show. We may not have an episode for the next couple of weeks. Now, that said, we are going to try and record one next Tuesday for next week, but the last week of August we definitely will not have one, but we'll see what happens uh with regards to next week. Uh, As always, leave us a review on the iTunes store. Definitely let us know what you think of this kind of stuff. We love hearing from the listeners and interacting with you guys, especially over on Facebook. You can find us at Official Concession Stand or on Twitter. We have the Twitter account now, finally, after so many months of chasing it. Uh, You can find us at Concession Stand over on Twitter. Of course, you can also leave us an email, CS For concession stand, cs at orbitaljigsaw.com. All right. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me over on Twitter at datacenterdude. And I'm Andy Nelson. You can find me at andynelson76, also on Twitter. But until next time, later. Bye. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.